Welcome to the London First Baptist Church podcast. This is the Sunday morning service of February 16th from Pastor Brett Cottrell. Turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 14 as we continue our, our journey through this book. We started a couple years ago in 2018 in this Gospel. and We are going to be finishing it up over the next couple months as we head towards Easter in April. This morning, as we are in Mark chapter 14, we are going to be seeing our Lord with the disciples at what we often call the Last Supper. So uh, Mark chapter 14, I'm going to begin reading in verse 12. On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb was being sacrificed, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and prepare for you to eat the Passover? He sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the city, and a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wherever he enters, say to the owner of that house, The teacher says, Where is my guest room in which I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he himself will show you a large upper room, furnished and ready, prepared for us there. The disciples went out and came to the city and found it just as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he came with the twelve. As they were reclining at the table and eating, Jesus said, Truly, I say to you that one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be grieved and to say to him one by one, Surely, not I. He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who dips with me in the bowl. For the Son of Man is to go just as is written of him, but woe to many, or woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. While they were eating, he took some bread, and after a blessing, he broke it and gave it to them and said, Take it, this is my body. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I say to you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word this morning, I pray that you would use it through your spirit to hold before us this morning the priceless, treasured nature of our Lord and of the salvation that he has brought us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This may well be an account that many of us are, are familiar with. We know the story, perhaps, of what we call the Last Supper. As we dig into this passage this morning, I did want to take a few moments to explore a little bit of the history of this moment. For the Last Supper, and what we will come to celebrate a little bit later on this morning, is called the Lord's Supper, has a long history behind it that predates even the events that take place here in Mark chapter 14. Events that give it some meaning that the disciples probably would have taken for granted, that clearly Jesus is taking for granted. And the first and the foremost and the one you've probably heard of and the one that perhaps comes to mind is that this is clearly taking place during the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Festival of Passover. And so one of the things that's happening here is that Jesus is taking something called the Passover, a, an event meant to remember God's redemption from slavery for the people of Israel, and he's going to put a little twist on it for the disciples and for us this morning. This event, this meal, uh, would have meant a great deal. This was the high point, if you will, for many of those who were uh, of uh, the Jewish faith. There were going to be, as we mentioned last week, in the city of Jerusalem, a city with a population at this time in history of maybe 
30 or 40,000, the population for Passover at this time would have been somewhere around 180,000. It would have quintupled the amount of people coming to Jerusalem to celebrate the Passover. And you can imagine the amount of lambs that would have been slaughtered because every one of those Passover lambs would have been slaughtered at the temple. And so for sometimes, starting the day before Passover, they would, the priests would just literally be killing lambs almost constantly for that shed blood to be part of the Passover festival. If you go back to the book of Exodus to see the original Passover, you'll be reminded that the people of Israel had been enslaved in Egypt. And through nine plagues, Moses had been in this conversation with Pharaoh about letting the people of Israel go. And Pharaoh had refused. And finally, that last plague, that last thing, the, the death of the firstborn, was going to be brought upon Egypt. And God had instructed through Moses, the people of Israel, to take the blood of a lamb and to spread that lamb, to sacrifice it, spread its blood upon the doorpost, the entrance of their house, to at that point roast the lamb, eat it, and that the angel of death would pass over every house that had the blood of that lamb on the doorpost. And those that did not have that blood, of course, the firstborn of that home would die. And so the people of Israel continued to remember the Feast of Passover as a way of remembering what God had done. Yes, through all the plagues, but what God had done in purchasing, if you will, the nation of Israel's freedom from slavery. It's called a redemption. And so the Passover meal was a very direct way for the people of Israel to be reminded of what God had done. And Jesus said, there's going to be something new to this. And we're going to explore that in a little bit more detail in just a few moments. The second thing I want us to to bring our attention to this morning is perhaps one we hadn't thought of quite so much before. Jesus makes a reference here in this, in this passage when he says, this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many. Many of us are probably familiar with the Passover story. What we may be a little bit less familiar with is that in Exodus chapter 24, a few weeks after they've come through the Red Sea and the people of Israel have camped out at Mount Sinai and Moses is up on the mountain and there's all kinds of events going on there. But at the end of all that, at the end of the giving of the Ten Commandments, at the end of all that sequence, as the people of Israel are at the foot of Mount Sinai, God initiates what the Bible calls a covenant. And he essentially makes, um, the word contract isn't great, we're just going to say on the word covenant, but he makes a, a deal with the people of Israel. They will be his people, he will be their God. And he has roles to fulfill for them, and they have roles to fulfill for him. They are now joined together as God and people. And there's a covenant between them to be the special, unique people of God. And at the end of this covenant, at the end of the process of this covenant, there was, from the people of Israel, 12 representatives given. And those representatives came to the mountain, they went up, and they had a meal. Sound familiar? And this meal was part of the covenant process. It sealed the deal, if you will. And then the people, after this, were sprinkled ceremonially. Now, not every person, I'm sure, got wet. But they were sprinkled with the blood of a sacrificed lamb, the people of Israel were, as a way of ratifying or sealing the covenant. Now, it's just not me. Y'all catch this, right? We have two things, the Passover, 
the lamb slaughtered so that the people of Israel may be redeemed or purchased or freed from slavery. And then part two is a lamb was slain, a meal was given, and the people were sprinkled with blood ceremonially to, rec- to, to, to acknowledge the establishing of a covenant of a life as God's people. As we come to the supper this morning, as we come to the last supper here in Mark 14, both of these things are in the background. And Jesus is using terminology and pictures here to illustrate for us that as we come to the supper, there's at least a couple things going on. One is we're going to acknowledge that Jesus has, in fact, and he is the Passover lamb. His blood was spilled, is, in a sense, cover, his blood covers our heart so that God does not punish us for our sins, but in fact passes over us and we don't die. And then secondly, you and I get to enter into, as God's redeemed, saved people, a covenant that God now is our God, we are his people, and now there is a life moving forward that we exclusively belong to him, and he is ours. We seal the deal with a meal and the sprinkling of blood of the covenant. Now there is a richness to this that boggles the mind. To me it does anyway. There is all this stuff going on. So this is the history. This is the symbolism. This is all the stuff that the people of Israel, including Jesus and his disciples that night, would have had in the background as he says these things. So now let's dig a little deeper into what takes place. Jesus has clearly, as we come to the Feast of the Edelman Bread and the Feast of the Passover, this is the night before he is crucified, He's clearly made preparations. He tells Peter, or he tells a couple of the guys, you go into town, and I've got this prearranged thing. You see a guy carrying a water pitcher. You go, what's the big deal? Well, by and large, guys back in then didn't carry the water pitchers. The women did. Sorry, ladies. It was your job to carry the water pitcher. And so a guy carrying a water pitcher might have stood out a little bit. So he says, you look for this guy. It's a prearranged deal. When you see this guy, follow him. Talk to the owner of the home. That'll be where we are meeting. It's all set up. So they go and do that. They make preparations, and Jesus and the rest of the gang show up that night. Now, obviously, we have this account of the Last Supper in the various all four Gospels. Mark gives us a, a shorter version of it, if you will. But as he gets there, he says something that grabs their attention, and he begins with this here in Mark, and he says this. One of you will betray me. Now, it's shocking enough to us that there would be someone who would, who would actually betray Jesus. We talked about this last week as we saw the first few verses of this chapter. And we saw that there was a plot already to kill Jesus by the uh, Jewish leadership. That, that Judas, after he sees this woman anoint Jesus' feet, that he decides it's time for Jesus to go as well. That our villains in this story are a group of people who have dedicated themselves to the knowledge of God's word. And our other villain is the guy who thought so much of Jesus, he chose to be a disciple and follow him for three years. I don't know about you, that that always scares me. Two groups. And I know we we bang, and righteously so, we bang on the Pharisees a lot when we're going through the Gospels. But understand who they actually were. They were a a group of guys who had decided they wanted to know God's Word inside and out. How many of us would like to know God's Word inside and out? That's what they wanted. They could quote it, Chapter and verse, because they had chapters and verses the way we do. And Judas was a disciple. He was one that Jesus had pulled out. He was one who said, I want to follow this guy. 
Judas had gone out and had proclaimed the gospel of Christ to others. And these are our two villains. <laughs> Judas is at the meal with the disciples. And Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. Now understand, that's, this isn't just some guy out there saying, I'm plotting against Jesus. This is somebody who has said, I love him. This is somebody who has said, I will follow him, who has said also, I'm done with him. And he chooses to betray. The truth is, but, but betrayal has no real power behind it unless the person who does the betraying is loved. It's, it's close. So Jesus, Jesus says this. And of course, he knows who it is. He knows what's going on. And they're all questioning. And he says in verse 20, it's the one of the 12 who dips with me in the bowl. And this would have been probably... Um, at one point, and some of you, you know, a couple years ago, we had, uh, we had a presentation of the Jewish Passover as part of our Easter celebration a couple years ago. Some of you might remember some of this. There's a, there's a bowl of stuff. I think, I think the word in Hebrew is called haroset. That's probably not, the great, probably not, not, not a great Hebrew pronunciation, but I'm not going to spit on people who are over here. So. And it was, a, it was a mixture of fruit and nuts and honey and other stuff, and it, it kind of has a consistency like mortar, and it was to remind the people of Israel, of what their job was as slaves, it was to make bricks and to make mortar. It was a reminder of the, of the slavery. And so you would at one point dip your bread in this mixture, and so it's probably then. So Jesus is, is, is dipped in his bread at the same time that Judas is, and they're remembering together the horror of slavery. It's a shared experience, if you will. I bring that up just to reinforce this idea. Judas was not some outsider. He was one of the twelve who is eating a shared communion covenant meal with one he's about to arrange for the murder of. He's remembering the slavery. All the while, Judas is going to be counted with, if you remember, in the desert, after their freedom, there were those who complained against God, who complained against Moses and said, it would be better for us to go back and be slaves in Egypt. And when Judas is betraying Jesus, even as he remembers the slavery, he's essentially saying, I would rather be a slave than follow my Lord. So this, this takes place, all this is going on that night. And then Jesus begins to talk about his body and his blood. And he tells us here to do this in remembrance of him. When we come to the meal here in just a few moments, we will have this role of remembering what Christ has done for us. Now, you and I weren't there. We are not eyewitnesses to his crucifixion, to his arrest, to his torture, and ultimately to his death. All we have are the written accounts of it. So we can't really remember in the sense of, hey, I was there, I saw it. What we remember is we remember the the truths that we have been taught that have been passed down, that he went through all these things. So like the people of Jesus' day, they didn't remember being slaves in Egypt, they just know the stories. And so we are in much the same situation as them. But he does talk about this blood of a new covenant and this idea of celebrating this or, or doing this particular thing on a regular basis. 
And there is a renewal and a remembrance aspect of this. This is beyond just remembering what Christ does. There is, I think, an, an actual renewal in this. And by that I mean this. Throughout, this. throughout the centuries, Christians have been celebrating the Lord's Supper since uh, the, the starting of the early church in Pentecost. There have been different Christians who have done different takes or understandings of the Lord's Supper. Some, many have thought that the elements, that the bread and the cup, somehow in a miraculous way, literally, once you ingest them, literally become the actual blood of Jesus and the actual flesh of Jesus. Now, we don't believe that. We believe this is more a symbolic act. But it's also more than just, I'm remembering something. This is more, the supper is, it's more than just a memorial service. There is a, if you will, this idea of a renewal. And by that I mean this. The people of Israel celebrated Passover every year. It was a way of reminding themselves what God had done, but it was also a way of, if you will, renewing or rededicating themselves to following the Lord. About, uh, it's, it's been, um, I guess it'll be 12 years ago this past, this coming summer, Angela's, Angela's parents were celebrating their 40th wedding anniversary. And so what they wanted to do for their 40th wedding anniversary was a renewal of the vows. And so they put together, a, really, I think, a bigger wedding than they had originally. They had a pretty small wedding when they got married uh, originally years and years ago. And so we got to be part, it was a really cool thing, we got to be part of the wedding renewal, a, a vow renewal. So 40th anniversary, on their wedding anniversary, we had a church wedding, groomsmen, bridesmaids, she came down the aisle. It was, just, it was a really cool thing. It was a great pleasure for me, honor for me to be the best man at my father-in-law's wedding, so to speak. And what they were doing is obviously they've been married for 40 years. They've, they've withstood the time. They have proved their love and they've proved the lasting covenant that they have with one another. They've, they've lived through those times. But they, took, they were part of a ceremony that renewed it that said, we want to make sure and say again in a public way how much we love one another and we are committed to one another before God and before our family and before our friends. It's a, it's a renewal ceremony. It's not, it's not starting something new. It's refreshing. It's remembering. It is recommitting. And in many ways, as we come to the Lord's Supper this morning, what you and I are participating in is, in a sense, a renewal ceremony. It's a chance for us to come before the table, to come before the, the, the bread and the cup, and to say to the Lord, we remember what you did for us. We know what you did for us, and we want you to know that we are renewing our desire and our commitment to be your people this morning. There's, there's, a, there's a vow renewal aspect to what we do when we take the cup and we take the bread. He says here that this blood is the blood of the covenant. I mentioned that meal. There would have been a meal surrounded this, and there was a Passover meal. Now, we, we just have these two things, but when they celebrated the Passover, there would have been four stages to this meal. And it wasn't appetizer, salad, main course, and dessert. It wasn't that. I, we, we did that. We, I don't know if y'all did. We, we had a little Valentine's supper you know, this week. We, we celebrated Valentine's Day. And so we had an appetizer. It was a blooming onion. That might tell you where we went to, where we, where we ate. We had a blooming onion and we had a salad. And then, yes, I had a steak. And then we had cheesecake with hot fudge sauce. Oh, yeah, it was. Everything you think it was? It was. The steak was okay. The cheesecake, oh, 
<laughs> four stages of the meal. Now, this isn't the same four stages here. They're doing different things. And when Jesus breaks the bread and takes the cup, says a blessing over it, it's probably in stage three. There's actually, there's three different cups they would drink and sing praises and do things through. This is probably stage three. It's probably the third cup. And he talks about the blood of the covenant. This meal would have been, uh, would have been eaten at that point in time. So they, he's talking about the covenant, he's talking about the blood, and there is this covenant meal. And you see, the, you see the picture there with the covenant that God made with his people at Sinai. So there is this blood that is shed, and there's this idea as we come to the table that we're acknowledging that because of Jesus' blood, because of his flesh, there is something that I'm getting that I wouldn't have otherwise had. When the people of Israel are in slavery, they are unable to free themselves from Egypt. Someone has to do it for them. When they're going to walk through the wilderness, they are not able to, su to support themselves. God has to support them with things like manna. They are the recipients of something they could not do for themselves. And as you and I come to the table, we are reminding ourselves, among other things, that as our, we come before the Lord, that we are here not because of anything that you and I have done or even could do. We are here because someone did something for us that we could not do for ourselves. And because of the sacrifice of that lamb at Passover, the death of the lamb gave the people of Israel a benefit they wouldn't have otherwise had, freedom. And because you and I come to the table, and because Jesus has shed his blood, you and I are benefiting from the shed blood and death of somebody else. So when we remember this, we are remembering, among other things, that we are the recipients of something. We are the ones receiving a gift and that gift was the shed blood, the death of someone else. And their death, their blood, gives you and I something we wouldn't otherwise have had. We get the benefit from someone else's blood. And then through that blood, we get to enter into a covenant relationship with God. This is what's going on here. When we come to the table this morning, we are affirming before the Lord and for, before one another that we are, in fact, God's people receive, receiving salvation and redemption. And God is confirming to us that He is our God and has saved us and will hold us and maintain us in His hand. Paul in 1 Corinthians talks to the Corinthian church about preparing for the supper. And one of the things he tells them is you need to make sure you come to the supper in a proper way. Preparing yourself, confessing sin, making sure you're right with people. Why is that? Because this is a big deal. This is a, this is a coming before the Lord and remembering what Christ has done and saying, I'm attached to it. And he is attached to me. If we come in this morning as a believer in Christ who um, maybe isn't really right with God, if we would look back on the last week, maybe the last months, or maybe even the last years of our life, we would say, you know what? God, I can be honest here and say, I really have not been living for you in the way you've called me to. I have not been acting like a covenant member of the, of, of the faith. Let me encourage you this morning, when we take this a few moments, this is an opportunity for you to say, God, I'm sorry. I want to renew my covenant with you. And if you're unwilling to do that, don't do this. 
The scriptures talk about that we come to this table improperly. It's, it's essentially the equivalent of being one of the mockers, the ones who made fun of Christ. It's the equivalent of saying, I don't think that what he did on the cross is really that big a deal. I can't imagine saying that. Can you imagine being at the cross, knowing what Jesus Christ did for us, and saying, yeah, whatever. So this is an opportunity this morning for us as believers to renew our faith. Not, again, not, to, not to become saved, but to solemnly before our Lord say, I am yours, you are mine. I want to renew my walk with you in a fresh way today. That's one thing we could do this morning. If you are, in fact, this morning a faithful believer, living the best you can, not, not that any of us are perfect, celebrate this this morning and be strengthened by the reaffirmation of your love for him and his love for you. There is also in this, Jesus, as we've already kind of talked about, Jesus has his 12 disciples there, and that's not just a random number or not just a random idea. The Passover was a meal and a celebration that you always did in your family or with your community. It was a corporate experience. You didn't do it at home by yourself. Because it was the people of God who were rescued out of Egypt. It was whole households that were saved. Now, I get that we're not exactly mimicking the, the slavery of Egypt. We're not reliving that particular moment. But understand this. The supper is meant, it was meant with the disciples, it was meant with us, to be something celebrated and, and observed in the community of faith. It's something to, to be done corporately. The, the Bible uses a word to talk about the church. It's the word koinonia. It's a word that's often translated things like fellowship. And it has this idea of shared experience, a shared reality. So for you and I, what that's going to look like is this. If you have come to faith in Christ Jesus this morning, if you have at any point in time in your past come to faith in Christ and said, Lord, I was wrong, you were right, I need the salvation that comes from God, I need the sacrifice you made on the cross, and my life is yours, I'm entering into that covenant. If you have at any point done that, then you are now sharing with others who have done that the same blood of Christ, the same body of Christ, the same spirit of Christ. It didn't take less of a crucifixion to save me as opposed to somebody else. It didn't take less blood to save me than it takes to somebody else. And it's not less or more of the Holy Spirit that you and I get. We all get the blood of Christ. We all get the broken body of Christ. We also we all get the death of Christ. We all get the righteousness of Christ. We all get the Spirit of Christ. And we're all sharing in this together. So when we come to the meal this morning, we are not just remembering what Christ has done for us, but we are renewing a covenant and we are affirming that not only are we in this individually, but we are part of this as a community of faith. This is something, the supper is something we do as we come together at the table. It's a meal. I, I get that we're doing a, a scaled-down version. I get that. But we are coming together at the table. And we all know there's something about coming together as a group of people or as a family around the table. There's conversation. There's a shared meal because we have a shared experience in Christ so there's fellowship here in many ways when we talk about baptism and we realize, we recognize baptism as a symbolic entry it's a it's, it's it's a picture of what God has already done in our lives we have professed our faith in Christ we are his 
and we have the hope of eternal life. And baptism is a picture of that. You come in, the old person, you get symbolically buried, come back up, and you're the new person. That's all symbolic. We understand that. But symbolically, baptism is entrance into the community of faith. The Lord's Supper is the constant reminder and renewal of the community of faith. That's why we have these two things, the, the baptism and, and the supper. So we enter there, we maintain or we sustain through this. And we have fellowship, we have a shared experience. So we aren't simply remembering, but we are renewing. You're coming to the table this morning and we're being reminded that you and I, who have come to faith in Christ, have been redeemed. We have been purchased, we have been bought with the spilled blood of Jesus Christ. Just as they had been, as the people of Israel bought with the bloods, with the blood of the lambs in Egypt. We are recognizing that we have been bought back from the slavery to sin. We are also this morning recognizing that just as God established a covenant with the people of Israel at Mount Sinai, sealed it with the sprinkling of blood of the meal, that you and I are sealed in a covenant with God that we remember through the shared blood and the meal. We are recognizing and affirming these things, not just between us and God, but we're doing it as part of a community of faith. As the people who have come before God and said, we desperately need you. And it's something that you and I receive. Not something we give, not something we earn, but something that we are given. And even given so undeservedly. I come to the table and recognize I have no rights before God. I have no ability to say to God, I deserved it when your son died for me. I can't say that. And neither can you. So I'm recognizing and remembering all these things. One more brief thing here. Jesus says here, he says elsewhere in the Gospels, I'm not going to take this cup again until the last day when the covenant is ultimately fulfilled. He drank that third cup. There was a fourth cup of the Passover service. It appears that Jesus took that third one and said, okay, I'm done here. I'm not drinking that fourth one. I'm not finishing the meal until one day it's all fulfilled there. So in many ways, you and I, even as we take this, we're hanging out there on cup number three for a while. <laughs> and what we're doing, even as we take this this morning, is we're looking forward to the day when the one who shed his blood for us when the one who bought us with his life will one day call us to the table and raise a cup and say, let's drink together. We're remembering, but we are, oh, so anticipating the finishing of the meal. It's going to be better to eat cheesecake. That's what we're doing this morning. I heard one guy put it this way. Each time we take the supper, we hope it's the last time on earth. 
So as we come to the table this morning, this is what we're doing. We are going to take these elements. If Let me just give you a couple, a couple things here. One is this. If you are this morning a believer in Christ, He is your God. You are one of His people. You followed Him. You're a member of the covenant community. I'm not worried about whether you're a member of this particular local congregation or not. You are part of the people of God and this supper is for you. So if you this morning are a baptized believer in Christ, I want you to feel free to participate in this with the following caveats, if you will. One is, if you are this morning in a place where you are not right before God and you have no interest in being right before God, don't do this. I'm asking you, don't do this. My Savior's sacrifice was too precious for you to treat it with such disdain. And I know that might seem mean, but I'm, I'm, I say it, I'm trying to say it as tenderly as I can. Don't make a mockery of this. If this morning you were not a believer in Christ, you've never actually placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask that you not participate in this. This is something that God set aside for the people who are a covenant community. And I know that maybe seems exclusive. I, I don't want it to be. But this is something God set aside for his people. So you are free to take the elements this morning, provided that you are, in fact, a believer in Christ and that you have a desire to follow him this morning. And even as we get ready to pray, prepare for the supper. If you just need to pray, if, if part of your preparations this morning is simply say, Lord, I've been wrong today. I've been wrong this morning. I lost my temper this morning. I got mad yesterday. I was selfish on Friday. If you're like me, those are the answers to all that are yes. <laughs> then we're going to take a few moments to pray, prepare your heart before the Lord, and then we're going to come to the table.